You are now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America. Hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People, get ready. Ready, ready. Progressive Action is now live. But we're talking about a, a job that has... What's going on? I don't know what happened with our claps. What's going on with our sound effects? Yeah, I seen that. Hold on one second. Um, what's going on, cuz? I'm chilling. What's going on? I'm chilling. What's going on, cuz? Chilling, you know. All this, all this crazy talk done flipped on them. Trying to call... Trying to, trying to say I started some scab talk of... Of an imaginary strike. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to address that. Yeah, definitely. You know? I don't know. I, they, these guys got a, a crazy imagination. They do. Imaginary strikes. They do. Definitely. Imaginary transparency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. You know, first of all, I want to say good evening to everybody out there. And tonight is going to be a powerful show. First of all, I want to say that uh, Progressive Action, the Facebook group, has reached a milestone of 5,000 members. That's right, y'all. 5,000 members in Progressive Action. A real milestone. I didn't think it would happen before Christmas, but Joe said that it would happen. You know, Joe Campbell. Yeah, I didn't. I I was like, I was a little skeptical. Yeah, I thought it would be like a little bit after the new year, you know? Yeah, I I was skeptical, but we definitely go rise after Samuelson delivered this horrible contract. Oh, yeah, definitely. All the writing is on the wall. Yeah, the writing's on the wall, of course. You know, definitely, especially with those uh, demands that that was put out there, you know, by the MTA, departmental demands, you know. But first, you know, I want to address the scabs nonsense, you know. Basically, you know, they've been running with the fact that you said that um, if if they was to call if the union was to call a strike, then you wouldn't walk because you don't know what's going on and there's nothing being explained to the membership. There's no transparency. But I mean, you weren't lying. You weren't lying basically. And then in my video that I did last week or whenever whatever day it was, right last last weekend. I talked about the different the strikes, the citywide strikes that were held in the past. And basically, uh, the membership knew why they were walking the picket line, why we were striking. So here it is, you come to 2016, and y'all want to talk, you know, y- y'all want to talk crap and, and lead people on saying that we may walk. But basically, you people know you're not walking, okay? Let's kick the ballistics of this, okay? Samuelson is not sitting in jail for a bunch of black and Hispanic people, okay? He's not sitting in jail for 10 days, okay? And then let's let's keep it real as far as financially with the union, as far as the capital. The union does not have the capital to sustain a strike, all right? Basically, you're talking about the union. Um, they're living, you know, they're living check to check just like any, any other individual would, their finances, okay? And basically, they're not trying to lose dues check off forever because do, they lose dues check off forever, that's it. We don't have no more union because these people won't survive. Again, they're surviving off the um, members' dues, okay? And then you're talking about paying a million dollars a day. They can't sustain paying a million dollars a day. But even if we even if we walk for three days, like the 2005 strike, y'all couldn't afford $3 million, and y'all know it, okay? So basically, you know, you got all these people on release. Ain't nobody doing nothing. And then you're talking about also a strike would basically hurt your um you know your quote unquote so-called friendships with the governor 
and all these other political and all these other political people. Okay, so basically, this is what I mean. Where say knock it off. We're talking about oh progressive action. They you know they they're scabs. They're a bunch of scabs. Like really, come on for an imaginary strike. I tell people this though. You got to do what's best for your household and do what's best for your home. At the end of the day, some people's not gonna be able to stand the strike. Be out, take take two for one, and imagine taking three for six. A lot of people ain't gonna be able to to, to handle that. So you got to do what's best for your household. Ex- exactly. I believe if Samuelson was to call a strike, it'd be service is normal, service is regular. Well, yeah, because be- you know, and then le- and then let's talk about all of these people who's talking about who's talking this scab nonsense. Okay, it's like listen, um, I would love to know how clean their house is as far as when they in the 2005 strike did you know after we went after we went back to work did they continue to pay their dues after we lost dues check off number one and of course we all know mr samuelson when when we struck he basically went to the union and filled out the paperwork so that he can get paid on during the days of the strike so that he wouldn't lose no money exactly and and who's to say that they wouldn't do that again exactly where the members will suffer but they'll get their pay but exactly they'll get their pay yeah but samuelson was the real scab exactly you know? and and you know they was telling people not to strike him and steve downs right they were telling people not to strike of but course. let's get let's get into our guests because right. this is gonna be another good show yeah definitely we want to get right into it all right everybody we got the meeting of the minds part three and tonight, to progressive action, we have Mr. Joseph Campbell. What's up, everybody? All right. We got uh, Henry Promen. Hello. Back to progressive action. And, we, and tonight, we got uh, retiree in the house. We got uh, Mr. John McCarthy in the house. How's everybody doing? All right. And then later on, we got uh, Mr. Uh, we have Jonathan Beatrice coming to the studio tonight. And then we also have Mr. Anthony Staley back to progressive action, also from the stations department. We got we got to do live clapping in here because ain't no yeah, sound effects no right sound now. sound effects, exactly. <laughs> live clapping. <laughs> live clapping. <tonight>. Exactly. <laughs> and then also we have Mr. Mike Staten from the uh, RTO department up in here. Good morning, everyone. All right. You introduce Trevor. Okay. And, and then for the first time, the progressive action, we have the operator and owner of the Progressive Action Bus, we have Mr. Trevor Logan <laughs> from RTO in, in the Progressive Action Studio. As soon as I seen that bus on the corner, I said, yeah, he here. He's here, exactly. <laughs> that bus is fire, man. I tell you, the destination sign is even, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is even yeah, yeah. And what's sad, you know, the union is so crazy is that they turned this brother away from using his bus. He wanted to put his bus in the parade and you know, hook it up with the with the the union destination sign, and they say, yeah, you could do it. You just got to pay that thousand dollar registration fee. What? But meanwhile, they mean <laughs> meanwhile they pay forty thousand dollars for Earl Phillips to be the grand marshal of the um, West Indian Day Parade. Let's get a <laughs> let's get a, <laughs> good work, good very, work, very Lord. very smart. Yeah, y'all probably would have turned Trevor against us anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Very <laughs> smart. Very smart. Oh my we, goodness. We paid we paid forty thousand dollars and they had Earl Phillips' name backwards. They were calling him Philip Earl. <laughs> hey. Wow. Hey, that's your union dues at work. That's right. Everybody needs to understand that, you know. Yeah. So 
All right, we're having a little technical difficulties, everybody. Okay. But basically, okay, everything is cool. So basically, what I want to do is I want to jump right into things. And first, I want to start with Mike. You know, being that uh, Mike is from the RTO department, you know, um, if everybody doesn't know yet, the departmental demands are on the union website, and they're also on the in internet on Facebook or Progressive Action. I myself put it in my group of Progressive Action. So I basically want to talk about the um, the RTO demands for service delivery. Um, you know, from what I understand, Kia Pua, the uh, vice president of RTO, signed off on um, prepackaging construction flagging and um, platform controller work. So um, what I want to know is uh, basically how do you personally feel about the demands that the MTA is, 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 is bringing upon our, the RTO department and what is the significance of work not being prepackaged in the RTO department? Uh, wow, there's a, uh, there's a number of issues with these uh, problems, with these demands that the, uh, that the uh, management has proposed in this round of negotiations. Uh, they're not too unlike the demands that they put forth in the uh, 2011 round of bargaining. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the, uh, probably one of the more controversial ones is um, the creation of what they call this uh, sub-C division. And uh, that's basically uh, all of the miscellaneous train operators and the conductors who, who perform construction flagging duties. They want to actually create a, another subdivision, sub-C, and categorize all of those titles in that division. Uh, they want to actually propose and implement a, a one-year pick, which will basically limit your movement and limit your picks, because now we have basically two picks a year. Uh, so they want to be able to lock you into a one-year pick where you will only be able to pick once a year. And they also want to separate or have you pick your vacations uh, amongst this subdivision. Now, to sort of explain that, how that how that is detrimental to the members is that once you have created a separate subdivision and you have people picking vacations in that division, then the amount of vacation slots, the weekly slots that you're able to pick are much smaller. So in fact, what you end up having is you'll, make, you'll have uh, uh, many people who may currently be able to pick summer vacations now will end up losing the right to be able to pick summer vacations if you have a smaller population of workers picking uh, in this new subdivision. Uh, it was one of the things that was very controversial when this issue was introduced in the 2011 round of negotiations and I had organized a number of members and uh, we had fought that and pushed back to where that wasn't implemented in the uh, 2011 round of, uh, of negotiations. So it's something that uh, members are going to have to really guard themselves for in this round of negotiations uh, as well. Um, 
And I'll, I'll leave it at that and, uh, on that issue. Oh, okay. Well, basically, you know, uh, there are a lot of demands here in the RTO department. Then, um, you know, basically I want to get to, you know, I want to try to get to everybody as much as I can. Um, for, for what I understand, they have uh, in, the, in the cleaners department, they have uh, temporary workers that they hired off of a list in the cleaners department. So um, Anthony Staley, basically, if, if you can, you know, can you try to um, enlighten everybody on what's going on in the, in the cleaners department and, what, and elaborate on what it is that management is asking for? Okay, I, I, I had to look at some of the things that they were asking on here, this proposal. And some of it, I think, uh, some of it is, is a shot at seeing what they're willing to get out of these guys. And uh, from, for one thing for sure, when you have a division chair that making the statements that Joe been making, you know, we, they might get all of this on here, on this <laughs> list here, because uh, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And uh, my problem with it is the fact that they have been talking for years about trying to get us to have one pick. And they trying to say that, they trying to imply that right here. And, and uh, I don't see that being, um, uh, uh, being accepted by, by, the, by the members. We had the luxury of uh, picking every six months and people that ended up in places that they were, you know, they... Um, don't want to be at. They have a chance every six months of getting out of it. So I, I don't think that's going to go over well with this cleaners. And this issue here with um, this uh, cleaners uh, un unclogging toilets. Um, I'm not a plumber. That's not that's not part of my. And they got and they can't. You see, this the intelligence of some of these people. They try to say, well, you're a cleaner, just clean. No. If, if it was like that, then we wouldn't have mobile wash. We wouldn't have various different cleaning, types of cleaning, if it was just like that. And as far as I'm concerned, last time I checked, unclogging toilet is a plumber's job, okay? So let's get that straight. Oh, I don't care who put this in there. They, they wasn't too smart putting that in. Replacing light bulbs? Well, they always had a rule that we was, as cleaners, we wasn't supposed to clam or stand on anything, you see? So... Um, and so you're, now you're trying to tell us, oh, you're going to pay compensation. You, you know, you're not going to challenge your compensation for cleaners that fall off and get injured. When all this time it's been past practice for years, we're not to climb on top of anything to do any kind of task. And then this spot painting. You might as well say this is technically broadbanding. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to imply here. And uh, like I said... I looked at the previous um, proposal, demands, when they were trying to ask for them to cut in half um, our night differential, which is already, what, 2.5% or something some already? They, wanted, they were trying to do this on this contract here. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, that uh, it, it, it flew. It, I mean, it didn't fly for them. You know, uh, but uh, I, I haven't seen that yet. But this here is uh, this is an outright shot at, at a... At a here it is, they're saying they want to bring in private cleaners just to do snow. How are you going to do that? <laughs> How are you going to do that? That's, you know, that's, <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Knowing that this is a, 
this is a a a, a, un, a unionized uh, uh, I mean uh, a workforce here, and how are you going to bring in an outside workforce to do basically what's been our task for years? I think what it is is more so to circumvent the fact that I filed the equal pay equal equal works uh, uh, grievance, and that we're, the cleaners are, are we're we're fighting for time and a half for doing snow. Like everybody else, they knew for years they've been they've been uh, uh, undercutting us when it came to paying us on that, and uh, for years a lot of people blocked it. Every year I basically I put it in because I couldn't see how we could be call ourselves a, a union when you got a separate workforce doing the same amount of work and the same type of work as another title, but we getting paid way less, and that's not even half. It's almost like you're paying on one tenth of what everybody else is getting. And that's an insult. So I just think this is a shot at that. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, a lot of this uh, is, is a shot at the intelligence of the people that's, that's sitting at the negotiation table. And if they fall for it, then we're in trouble. <laughs> the bottom line. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's, yeah. A lot, it's a lot of things that, you know, even in the RTO demands that, you know, if you fall for the banana in the tailpipe, then we're in trouble, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This is. They look like they want to hammer in everything that they've wished for for the past 20 years. Exactly. If you look at what they've been implementing. Now, they've done it here and there, test the water, and failed. I was just reading the 2011 tentative agreement for RTO. And something that Trevor and I noticed right away is that. In terms of uh, combining titles of a conductor and train operator, they do that in Toronto. In fact, we went up to Toronto in 2006, and you do a trip as a train operator, and you switch you to conductor. They call it a guard. You switch positions at the end of the line, and then the, the guard, the conductor, goes up as the operator. And you can pick, if you're trained, you can pick from bus operator into subways if you feel like and Don't like it? Pick out a subways, pick streetcar. You don't like that either? Go back to buses. And it's, it's all allowed. Their union has organized it. What I'm seeing is, is that they're trying to implement things that they've always wished for, and I think they found, uh, based on the behavior during these negotiations, they found a union that's amenable to these things. And that's why they're putting all of these out at once in one set of negotiations. And uh, to add to that, um, I have a friend Thank who you. currently just visited me from Toronto. He's a Toronto uh, subway train operator. And um, one of the things that he was looking at was our schedule patterns. And um, as Henry just told you guys, they do guard one way, train operator one way. The failing in that is that they was able to shrink run time down, schedule time down. So pretty much once you got to the end of the line, it was switch positions and go. So those nice little 20-minute breaks – or 15-minute breaks, we get into the line those guys don't have. And now they're fighting for what we have. So what I find is odd that while they're fighting for what we have, now they're trying to push on us what they have. And what they have is not working. Unbelievable. It's like New York It's like, you know, do people understand that, you know, New York City sets the precedence for the rest of the world? It's like, but basically they're researching and, and, and looking at other transit systems. You know, and the and the problem is, is that, you know, the people that's in these positions, see, they don't remain here in New York for a duration of 25 years on the job like how we do, okay? They're, you know, these are people who basically 
um, go back and forth between these different transit systems, okay? A lot of them been in transportation, but they see other systems and they try to implement the same thing here. But this this system is old. Yeah. You know, this system this system date back dates back a long ways. Even before you know, even before the days of the tunnels and everything was was L's, you know. So like I said, there's a long rich history of this system, you know. But the one that really gets me is number five here where it says management shall be permitted to use private contractors in or employee and other titles than cleaners to permit the to do the track tile cleaning. Track tile cleaning. It seemed like they want to privatize. They go start privatizing some of the system. Well, they they gonna there are certain parts of the system that they're already privatizing, you know, such as uh, like the big stations. Barclays Center is gonna end up being one of them uh, as well. You know, where where companies uh, have their name on the station. They they like Barclays is paying almost a, a million dollars and some change to have their name on that station. Eventually, they're going to take over, advertise on that station and everything, and part of the deal is for them to have their own cleaners. You see, this are the, th you know, areas like that, uh, uh, Midtown, um, um, it may be Hoyt Street, stations like that where the up, uh, where, the comp where the stores upstairs want to advertise right down on the, on, they're going to be responsible for the upkeep of the, uh, uh, the maintenance of the stations as well. That's something that they've been doing and slowly, it's been coming in real slow. But that's eventually it's going to be. Uh, but you, ain't, you, you think you're going to have, what store going to buy Rockaway Avenue on the, on the three and put advertisement, <laughs> advertisements up there and think people going, you know, buy these stuff? No, not but, in Brownsville. No, not in, no way. So that's my point. Only certain areas, um, are mostly uh, shopping areas, business areas, they, they have a plan of that nature. Let's see how well it goes. Like I said, they've been trying that. That, that they have been going on for about about a good eight, nine years now. They've, oh. been, they've been doing that. But oh, really? This here, I want to see if they're going to take responsibility of these cats. Because these cats here, track and tower people, they work around the live third rail and all of that. Right, they're track certified. Yeah, they have to be on the track certified and all that. So how could they put a dumb statement like that in their private contractors, untrained, working around the third rail? These are some geniuses. Yeah. But then, on the other hand, you know, our union is not too smart either. Exactly. I mean, like I said, we we tore up their demands that they handed to the MTA yeah. for us. So basically, of course, they're not too they're not too bright neither. You but know? The, but the fact is, uh, I I feel bad about the fact that it looks like the station department is going to take a real serious hit on this contract. And the thing about it is, it's been talked about for years. And sometimes we, uh, our people have this mentality that they uh, they don't awaken till you know until the noose is around their neck and they're about to kick the chair from under you, and all of a sudden now you don't woke up when it's, when it's way too late, way too late. Yeah, that's way we too late. We need to really pay attention to this here because uh, they're going to keep throwing this at us until you get some strong people in there that's going to just tell them take this and just. And, and, and told them, take this with you, get, get out of here, because that's never going to happen. Mm. And, they, and we don't have that. Right. We don't have any, anybody like that, especially in the stations department. We, we got a guy that's not, not the most intelligent person. You could tell by his attitude, the way he talked. Once he goes into cursing, you know, you know. That's how short his intelligence is, oh. you know? Who are you talking about? Oh, you know that guy Joe Bermudez. <laughs> you know the, the, the so-called division oh, chair. You I know? hear you. I hear. You. Yeah, yeah, him. 
And then, like I said, um, um, certain people are not cut out for certain jobs. And like our VP, our VP is not that strong either. And to find to make statements such as, um, I'm gonna sit back and allow everything to fall out. And you know, and, and once it happened, that's gonna be it. But you're the boss. Bottom line, you're still the boss. So you're gonna take some of that heat. See? Basically. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, he was he, in Puerto Rico, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we back, he back, he back, he back. Oh, okay. <laughs> we spoke already. He 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 actually commented on um Progressive action today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah I oh, saw okay. That. I saw that. I saw that. Now, basically, what I want to get into is, you know, I would love to, uh, just out of curiosity, you know, they got all the departmental demands out there. So I would love to know what is the main table demands that the MTA is trying to give us. Now, one thing that caught my attention that was on, um, that was in the group was our new um, medical cards, you know, the, you know, the Aetna cards. Now, basically, my card came in the mail. And a few other people commented and said that the un- basically the union logo is on the is on the Aetna card. Now, if management is in full control of our health benefits, what is the union logo doing on our cards? Hey, Joe, can you you know can you try to shed some light on that? You know, what is your opinion on that? Somebody must have paid somebody for it. I mean, because our logo is for sale, and we know that it goes on everything. <laughs> 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 oh man, yeah. So it's crazy because I'm just wondering, like, okay, you know, this is something that you guys that we talked about before, to where it could possibly be a f- some type of fund that was created and and money and a, and money was given to the union to dump into it for our medical benefits. I was always worried about you know a transition, not so much into an HBT health benefit trust again, like like there was prior to. 2002, but I was afraid of this leadership actually running it. Um, and this logo thing on the card kind of worries me. You know, it's one of the things, one of the reasons why I never left the high option. Uh, first of all, I didn't want the union touching my dental, no, more, much less my health benefits. Um, I, don't, I don't trust any of them down there. I wouldn't trust them with a hot dog stand. So, <laughs> so I don't... Manual, manual clap. <laughs> So I don't, I, I, you know what, why, why the logo is on the card is beyond me. I, I don't know why that has to be. I have no idea why that has to be. I mean, it could be that, you know, that was an agreement. You know, why, um, yeah, okay, we'll look the other way while you uh, devalue our health benefits as long as you put our logo on the card. I don't know if that was a deal made. You no, know, another crazy thing I found about it is that they don't give separate cards for, for the people no more. Everybody's name is on one card. Right. All your dependents. Your name, as well as all your dependents, is yeah, on that one yeah, card. Your name is in bold, and the dependents' name is, is right. in mega. Exactly. So, so, so somebody that has like five or five or six kids, I love to see all those names. But how does it work? Who carries the card? I mean, you got to carry the card. There's only then, one. I didn't get mine yet. There's only, it's only one. one card. It's only That's one ridiculous. Card. You can yeah. only one person get sick at a time. Exactly. <laughs> Take turns. <laughs> yeah, I get sick on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just found that very strange. Yeah, that is very strange. It is strange. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. When what I they would say? They were saving, um, saving plastic. That's yeah, everything know. you know, everything. Save, no, but, save on everything. No, but the union spent some good money on our, um, our membership cards. Yeah, <laughs> those membership cards are better quality than those healthcare cards. Well, may, maybe they double. 
They yeah, oh, okay. both got the union logo on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. if you're not in good standing, you could come with your Aetna card. <laughs> oh man yeah but like i said these guys are comical so so what's going on john how's everything going uh pretty good pretty good oh, okay so what do you so what do you have to think you know like what do you have to say about uh the current contract and what's going on and, and how this administration is handling it well <clears throat> i could say the i the thing of a strike is um pretty ridiculous i think samuelson could be in power in local 100 for the next 50 years, and there would never be a strike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but why do I say that? The guy calls a rally once every three or four years. You know, you you, you call a rally so with such a crazy amount of time in between rallies, with all the problems and all the issues that take up this radio show or on the Facebook page of Progressive Action, all these things. And he calls a rally once every three or four years. And getting back to him on, um, a strike is a very a big thing. Don't, 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 shouldn't be cavalier about a strike. We shouldn't be cavalier and, uh, you know, think we could have one, uh, you know, you know, we try not to have one. You try to, you try to, uh, when you prepare, that's another thing I think about this, this imaginary strike. You have to prepare for maybe a year before that or, may, or longer. You have to prepare the members. You have to do a lot of things. You have to um, agitate. I mean, that's the wrong word. But you have to, what are your goals? What do you want? And, and, and you popularize that among the members. And then you also popularize what the TA is talking about that. Then you have days of action like there were in two, early 2005 leading up to December, you know. You prepare people for a strike. And I could go back and talk about John Samuelson on that if you want me to. Please, talk. Uh, John Samuelson was the acting vice president for maintenance away for 2005, the whole year up until a week before the strike. And um, as the acting vice, as the vice president of any, any division, you were supposed to um, get people ready, get people worked up, uh, get people to come out to these days of action. And he basically did nothing. And I can even remember back when that was happening, we, there was a meeting at a 32BJ, I believe in June. And they talked about having these committee, fight back committee, or uh, right. I, for, I forget the actual name of it. That was one of the but, uh, yeah. 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 Hold on. When yeah. you talk, you got to come to the mic, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. A buddy of mine, unfortunately, has since passed. He um, was a porter in a building and under 32BJ, and he's conveying information to me about a strike that I'm about to walk. So there's more communication with other unions to get this together and do something. I mean, the action that was taken, I believe, in 2002, it's not my research, I have to give that credit to Neil Delant, that was on, a, on Facebook, 
talked about how the union hired a firm a year in advance and got the public so pissed off the MTA that if it ended up in a strike, they might be carrying people out at 347 in body bags. The people were pissed as much as the transit workers. And now at the last moment to call, oh, we're gonna have a, we might have to consider a strike because this is wrong. That was supposed, the time for that was December of 2015, not, four, not 16, for a 2017 uh, contract end. Not, not, this is the wrong, it's all wrong, and you're absolutely right that it takes time to do that, but you have to get the public to yeah, that's part of be it on your you ha- side. You have to have the public on your side. And you could even talk about that. You had these uh, meetings uh, the last two weeks about raising the fare. Now, if the union was serious, the union would have showed up at these uh, meetings. Very, cr- and, very true. And sided with the community, sided with the ridership against the fare hikes and get the, get the ridership on our side. So going back, there was that meeting in June or July of 2005, and say, Rogers, the president spoke. Maybe Ed Watts spoke. I'm trying, my memory's a little fuzzy on that. You know, but there was these main, they spoke to everybody. Then we broke down into divisions, and Samson was up front as he was the acting vice president with, I think, uh, Tony Utano, you know, a couple other people. And, okay, they said, these breakout things, you talk in the divisions, you come up with ideas. You come up with ideas. So I'm sitting in the room, and um, there was no beginning. Okay, you the vice pres- acting vice president. What are your ideas? We'll bounce off of you, you know? Why aren't you coming up with no ideas? And I always remember that. That was always in the back of my head. There's something funny going on here. And what I found out later, okay, we got a nice green shirt out of this, a nice uh, short sleeve green shirt very nice about the fight back committee or uh, for the contract. And that was nice. But I never got a phone call. I never got an email to do anything. And after the strike, I only found out that he was the acting vice president. It was up to the vice presidents to organize in your division to organize and get your people out there. So that was something he totally, uh, maintenance away was totally unprepared because, because Samuelson, I found, once again, I found out a little bit after the strike. Samuelson had, had decided he was going against Roger Tucson. I mean, that's your right if you're going to go against somebody or whatever. That's your right. You don't have to like this person, like that person. But 2005, it was all the sabotage going on from him that he wasn't doing the work that needed to be done. Now, we'll go, I, I'm sorry for, I'll go back to, I'm sorry talking so much, but I'll go back to another thing. When you talked about if, if a strike happened and dues revocation happened, okay, after the, when dues revocation had happened before, we, after some, some bunch of months, we had a whole lot of people paying directly out of, like a direct deposit thing, paying directly out of their bank account somehow. Sam's, yeah, credit card, debit card, all that your checking account, this and that. Many people, some, 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 uh, some amount of thousands, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Samson came to power, he destroyed that. So I think, you know, that maybe we could have moved towards, <coughs> maybe we could have moved towards a real big fraction, a big, real large amount of our percentage of our members could pay that way. So you would never have to worry again about um, dues revocation. 
You probably would not get the 100% to go along with that. But if you got 75% and, and to pay that like that out of their checking account, the other ways, like I've said, and um, you might get 20 of, 20, to 20, 20 of that 25% that you don't have doing that, they might pay their dues. Oh, the guy comes around, here's a check for my dues. Here's a money order. Here, you know. So the union would never have to worry again. But Samson and his great uh, ultimate wisdom, he had that destroyed. He did, a, he did away with that. Now, if he hadn't had that destroyed, you still wouldn't have, uh, what, over 6,500, according to the LM2s, over 6,500 members still in bad standing. And a lot of those members are still in bad standing from the strike. Well, those members didn't sign up for the, they apparently didn't sign up for taking that out of your checking account, your bank account, mm -hmm. your credit card. Those well, are, there, there's a certain amount of members that are like that. We could go into the whole thing of he took, he, had flyers out there. I don't know if I want you know talk so much about it. He had flyers out there telling people not to pay their dues. They were unsigned, but everybody knew it was by him, and his people were going around doing it. Now I'm from I was in the track department. His Jack Blazowitz said at a division meeting that I can't go around and collect dues on TA time. Why can't you? I did. Jeff Lee Lee did at night. I was in the night the night of Jack. Safety task force. We went around at night collecting money on TA time. We got people to pay, give us checks, money orders, this and that. Why couldn't Jack Blazowitz do it? You know, so Jack Blazowitz was, uh, has always been very tight with Samson. You know, he, and then Roger took him off release time. You're not releasing, you're not gonna collect dues. You're not going around collect dues. While the union is being starved, the union is under this attack by management. You're not gonna collect dues. You know, how, how, how are you going to be on release time? Yeah, we used to go down to the union hall, pockets full of checks, even people paying cash. You know, you'd have to give them a receipt. Um, you know, that was that was that, that was survival. You know, there was there was no joke about that. Um, we did what we had to do for these guys not to do it in MOW. They did a disservice to um, to their own people. By not collecting their dues, their own people became in bad standing. So what did they want? They just wanted a few people to be in good standing so they're the only ones qualified to run? I mean, you know, that, that sounds pretty selfish, right? Um, even when Samuelson first uh, took over um, as president, um, one of the first magazines that came out, he highlighted a group of people from MOW who didn't like the prior administration, so didn't pay their dues. But now they like Samuelson, so they're going to pay their dues. Now you took. Now these guys were the ones that were, were, were calling us scabs, scabbing an imaginary strike. <laughs> the, the last week. You're talking and, about this last week. Right. This last bullshit they put out. But meanwhile, they put a bunch of guys who refused to pay their dues, like the, the whole $911.86 squad, and they put them on the front page of, of, of the union newspaper. Finally paying their dues four years later. Right, right. These so are, they didn't give a shit. These are heroes. People paying their dues yeah, four years later. Yeah, they didn't give a heroes. shit. If the, pictures in the paper. If the, if the union would have crashed and burned, they didn't give a shit, right? But now that, you know, Samuelson's there, they could pay their dues so he could eat their, their dues up, you know, in the form of steaks and beers and stuff like that. <laughs> 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 You know, I mean, those were tough times. John, John, John is recalling it pretty much the way it was. Um, the, and let me, let me jump in on this because this is part of the same subject. You just don't one day wake up and hear that your president called a strike and, 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 and people just don't work. It doesn't work like that. The MTA knows this. And even as we might get accused, 
after this show of uh, trying to weaken the union and make the contract look bad because it's better for us and the MTA uh, is learning that we're not strong, the MTA knows exactly what goes on in our union. They don't need us for that. They know. They could see this dude not showing up to meetings. And I'll get on something later on. I want to talk about that when it comes to the boots. But, you know, I mean, they could stick. They, they know the difference when, when, when the union leadership is on top of stuff and the union leadership is like, you know, daydreaming. And, and, and John is right. It, it takes so much work leading up to, to a strike. I mean, you, 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 what it is is a leader might be afraid to, you know, have the membership leading up to a strike, training for a strike, and then not calling one, especially if you're not serious about one or, or serious about having his bluff called. The community is, is, is very, very important in this. You know, you start off, I said a minimum of a year, but even then you would be, that would be a very tight schedule. You have to go out to the community and you have to, you know, let's say booth closings. Now, we, we, we know that that's, that's, a, that's a, a passenger safety issue, um, station agents. Now, that's eyes and ears of, of, of the system. That's, you know, to prevent crime, to, uh, to report crime, terrorism, you name it, down the line, right? Um, very serious. When they close boots and they take station agents away from their ability to be safe within a, reasonably safe within a confined space, but still be able to, to, to help passengers by alerting authorities, um, you know, we, we as a union have to take that side with the community and bring them in on it and be partners with that to say, no, 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 no station agent of any future. That's bullshit. Where they are is where they belong, and that's it. Station agent of the present. That's what we need. And, um, and, and these are things, you know, even a half-page leaflet just to give to, to, to passengers as they're, they're um, going through the turnstile and, and say, here, read this, read this, read this. We did that before. I mean, we all took stations on the G line and Any the L types. line. You know, I mean, it was, there was, we, 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 we would hit one line one day, one line the next day, and we would just, like, you know, hit every passenger. And then coming home, we'd hit another line. So then coming out of the train, they'd get one. And that was just the beginning. There were so many different things we wanted to do leading up to it. Taking the fight to management when it comes to discipline. One of the first things we wanted to do, it had, had that election turned out differently, was go on the attack when it came to discipline. To go down to 2 Broadway, the new house of pain, and go down there and rally in front of that place. Not just once, lots of times. Demand that those numbers come down. And to find a way to get discipline numbers down and stop humiliating and hurting, hurting the membership. That is a direct attack on the membership that we allow management to do, and we kind of go along with it. Now, that's ludicrous. What other agency in this city has got 16,000 write-ups a year? The cops? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Negative. Right. Exactly. The fuck out of here. No, no, no fucking agency is that fucked up unless they fuck, they fuck it up on purpose. You know, labor relations is a behemoth. It's a monster. It feeds itself. It runs the authority. The power that it has, operational management shakes in its pants when, when, when labor relations says something. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, if, I, if, 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 if I'm operational management and I have any kind of power, I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want to do. I run this, this show, not you. I have to provide service. But labor relations is running everything. And, right, and, 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 you know, and they're doing it through the disciplinary system. So I don't want to talk forever because I can on this subject. But you see what it takes to build for a strike, to build anger, to build momentum. And we just didn't do it. Right? We put stickies on a wall in a lobby. That's what we did. That's not going to make us strike. And labor relations gets its way 
with its, uh, you know, its uh, strong arm man, it gets uh, the wonderful people at the IG's uh, office, where they are proud of the investigations that they trigger and feel that they have a duty to protect the public in the arbitration process. In other words, they feel you don't have a right to due process, and they will send their IG investigators after you. I mean, the IG, if you look at any of their yearly reports, they are so proud that they catch people with dual employment. That's one of their pride things. Dual employment, how dare you sell handbags on the weekends? Okay? <laughs> I'm not lying. That's from a 2011 IG office report. Okay? And one of the examples of how labor relations will turn and use the IG is, um, is an example of, uh, we remember they have their special investigative um, office, and they will look into your Facebook. They will do it. They have done it. Okay? Um, there's a, one of the cases that they slandered bus operators in was in uh, 2009 that the IG's office in mid-September received a complaint from a concerned citizen regarding a bus operator. Specifically, the complaint uh, reported observing the bus operator sending text messages. So they sent the IG out. They yanked the guy, and they start monitoring his Facebook about how he talks about pedestrians and passengers because you shouldn't have a right to the First Amendment. Not in the MTA, because once you sign for that job and that, that piece of tin they put on you, you got no rights. That's what they believe. And that's what the IG's office believes, because they went ahead and filed this guy and said, hey, he should have been terminated. They sent the beakies after him? Yes, they did. Was, was, could have been John Landis? Yeah, was the beakies named Landis? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the the um, synopsis of the report doesn't state what, uh, who, the end of, who the actual beakie was. <laughs> But uh, don't be surprised. He left long before then. Oh, no, before 2009? All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, He's still connected, though, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and says that, it says here, specifically complaint. The complainant <laughs> reported observing the bus operator sending text messages on his cell phone while operating the bus and stated that these messages were posted on Facebook. Okay, this is what the IG's office spent its time doing. Taxpayer dollars, guys with nice shiny badges, okay, to go ahead and say, hey, we're going to go on Facebook. So it looks like uh, the Samson administration is taking a page from the IG. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Willie Rivera and yeah. all that. Yeah, because that's apparently the only thing they do and, is correct its members on speaking out. Right, and Maxine Gadsden and Ernest Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, just to name a few. Right. Okay. And um, the Special Investigation and Review Office commenced an investigation. It's like, you know, they, 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 went, they went whole hog on this. And interviewed appropriate transit personnel, performed a covert observation ride. The ride conducted promptly following the receipt of the complaint. The operator did not send any text messages. So obviously they sent a biggie out after him, you know, and nothing. All right, the SIR investigation did observe and engage in, the bus operator engage in misconduct of failing to display his badge while in pasture service. Okay, we get it. Administrative violation. Not a big deal, right? Oh, failing to wear his seatbelt. Okay. And music from a radio. They, they, t they put this in their one of their examples of how good a job they did. This, how much does this investigation cost? Okay? But remember, they're looking to protect the public. The operator was cleared, okay, of any wrongdoing pertaining to the complaint. But they think that they feel that they need to protect the public in the arbitration process because the, the issue did go to arbitration, okay? 
And it does say here that this is what he was charged with based on the covert ride and Facebook postings. Okay, based on the covert ride and Facebook postings, including acts detrimental to public trust, confidence, and respect. I didn't know that was a charge. Holy Moses. Unsafe, <laughs> reckless operation, navigating internet while operating a transit authority bus. So that means that they went to Facebook and figured he posted at the time he was working. All right, that's a no-no. I, I, hate, I hate cell phones, personally. Okay? So, all right, I can't really argue about that. But he did go through the process and imposed the 30-day record suspension. Okay? The arbitrator rejected dismissal. All right, that's what the uh, agency wanted. And the guy comes back to work first day at work and kills somebody. And this is what the IG's office says they need to protect the public from because who knows, after they take you out for 30 days because you like Facebook, you might kill somebody. And that is their argument. So it says they need to protect the public in the arbitration process. That's their first issue. Their second issue was removal from passion service pending dismissal. Okay? Though he had the complaint against him, he was able to continue operating his bus 12 days following the commencement of the investigation. So wait a minute, you should be taken out of service because you had an investigation triggered? All right. Uh, you're going to be taken out of service and paid not to work? Well, that's, what they, that's where this came from if, if you're on the, tr on the um, surface side. This is where it came from. This is one of their recommendations. Like I said, these are issues and this is the result of their investigation. So what it seems like is that they want to protect the public from us, but who protects us from the public? Uh, the IG's office is not concerned with that. Go ahead and call them and find out. <laughs> I'm telling you, they'll say, oh, speak to your union. Why? <laughs> what I union? What union, well, exactly. <laughs> I got news for you. I've called the IG's office once before, and I've never had someone hang up a recorded call so fast in my life. Because <laughs> that call is required to be recorded. It's, it's, it's very similar to the requirements not just in public authorities law, but the requirements you have when you um, not so much file a civilian complaint, a CCRB against the police, but when um, internal affairs gets involved. Those calls must be recorded. Even if it's not even their department, they must investigate that complaint, how unfounded it may be, and then get a disposition. I never had the IG, the IG's office says, that's a union prompt, click. I said, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. You know. <laughs> now, now you That's see. The problem. <laughs> now you see everything you just talked about. Now, this whole IG's things is one of them, and and this is I was talking with somebody about this earlier about the MTA, and now I did a little live video before I got off work tonight of the 96th Street subway station on Second Avenue. They cleaned it up real nice. It was it looked so nice. I had to pull over and take a picture of it. I was like, wow, look at this. But anyway. They've expanded the system. Just like I talked about in my live video last week, remember Henry? They've expanded the system five stops, five subway stations. Yes, a whole big deal. And a whole, exactly. And then to add insult to injury, Mayor Bloomberg was behind the extension of the 7 train, not the MTA. Yep, and he got off at the 34th Street station. Cameras were there. There were signs up. Right. And only about 15 feet of that station where he got off that goddamn train was completed. Mm -hmm. It's the most, it was the most, it was the biggest dog and pony show I've ever, I mean, the train pulls up, he stands, he gets off because it's going to be his last day in office. Thank you, Jesus. And he gets off into a station, which gives the impression, it's like, oh, wow, look at that. I mean, the press had to be escorted down the stairs because they weren't completed. 
Okay? Soon as you look at the wide shot or any still shots taken, the sign is above him, and that is the only 34th Street Hudson Yard sign you see in the whole fucking station. Uh-huh. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. I had a, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about cursing. But no, no, that's all right. That, that, that's, how, that's how they will BS, not, you know, they'll BS the public that bad. And listen, the media's on board. The media walks into a non-finished station. You'd think one of them would have called bullshit. It's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. This looks like a Hollywood movie set. Progressive what? action is not there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know. They're like, this is a set. This can't. What, what? And they go ahead and they go along with Maniac Mike. Yeah. Okay. Megalomaniac, Megalomaniac Mike, which, by the way, said it was a thuggish thing that we did when we went on strike and literally was questioned about it the next day and said, I never said such a thing. And the press was like, well, he didn't call you thugs. Well, what's thuggish thing? That's that implies right. We <laughs> walk know. thuggishly, exactly. Yes, but exactly. We're thugs. Exactly. But never. And uh, again, to the uh, thing about Klansmen, I just want to bring that up. Now, <laughs> I, I want I you to compare. Got to compare this. Okay, got to compare this. He gets out of a. Tr- he goes ahead. He calls transit workers. Well, what they did, describing as thuggish. Okay. Union questions that. How dare you say that? The media says, uh, doesn't question about it. It's like, well, he didn't say that, so we're not going to run with this. But remember what happened in Baltimore. I gave them room to destroy. Though I don't agree with that statement. I couldn't stand that I heard it. The media jumped down, jumped down mayor of Baltimore's ass on that one. Now, you want to compare the differences between the two mayors? And don't tell me it's a, a number of years, because that's bullshit. Okay, any, any, anybody? Anybody? <laughs> the media didn't end for two days on that. And that's the, it, but it's the same idea. I gave him room to destroy. Well, Bloomberg called us thugs. What's the difference? Media didn't question Bloomberg. Sure, it's def- definitely question the mayor of Baltimore. It wouldn't have anything to do with melanin content, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Everything you, to do with it. Exactly. And, you know, you know, but getting back to what I was saying is how, you know, the MTA has had those c- capital construction um, project since the early 80s, 1982 to be exact, when Richard Ravage ran the MTA. So basically you're talking about, you figure during that time, okay, they were getting the money, they had to repair the system coming out of the, coming out of the 70s because it was bad. Okay, but now when you talk about as years go on into the 90s and then the 2000 era, and now here it is, we're over halfway through the 2010 era, it's like all this money you get from the federal government for 20-something years, and all this, you know, so basically you figure, why not expand the system? But instead of expanding the system, what are you doing? You're basically, you're coming down, you're expanding the discipline system towards the workers. And then another thing is you're basically wasting money with all this other stuff. And you're also giving um, different CEOs and different ex- um, executives of these different organizations, authorities under the MTA, six, all these hefty six-figure salaries and parachutes. Okay, because all you have to do is be be in these positions five years, and you have a pension, a six-figure pension. Okay, exactly, a golden parachute, exactly. And so basically, and then basically again, you're talking about the expanded discipline system, and get going back to what you said about the IGs coming down hard. So basically, it's all about labor relations. It's all about all these things that's basically been put into place all these years. All these people have jobs all this money that's been squandered instead of expanding the system. You mean to tell me in 35, going on 35 years, y'all have only expanded the system five subway sta- five stop, five subway stations? 
you have uh, underserved uh, by transit areas of the city. You have, uh, why can't you have to train at new lots? Now, what if you live in uh, Starrett City? I think they call themselves Spring Creek now. Yeah, now it's Spring Creek, yeah. Why isn't the line going to Spring Creek from new lots? Why isn't that line extended? You know, why isn't that extended? Why don't they put the money into that? I heard about a year ago they were talking about the Flatbush Avenue, the two ends at Flatbush, two, two and the five ends at Flatbush Avenue. The junction, yes. They were talking about, okay, now we will go further. We will go into Marine Park or we will go way out on, on Flatbush Avenue. Well, right. Sam they talked about that about a year ago. They would go out to and Samuels now, neighborhood, yeah. Now there hasn't been nothing else said about it. They mentioned it about a year ago, and that's it. And, you know, the sad thing is these were th – this is nothing new. These were ideas that people came up with decades ago. Decades ago, back when the city ran the transit authority and even the board of transportation way back, you know. So that's what I mean by say when you talk, they didn't have that type of money back then, but now you have the money. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Well, see, the, 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 the difference is, is, is now that um, we have what's called NIMBYs, the Not In My Backyards. So the extension to a place like Marine Park, Jerison Beach, you know, that... It couldn't happen today. They wouldn't even allow it because the whole thought process. Speaking is, to the okay, mic, bro. If you bring the subway into my neighborhood, you're going to bring the riffraff with it. So the people down there is not going to have it at all. And then you also got to think about Second Avenue. When Second Avenue was planned back in the 40s, and they started building on it in 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 pieces, there was actually three parts of that line that was built already. You had a tunnel that was built from 110th to 120th, 99th to 105th, and then down in Chinatown from Pearl to Canal. Like yeah, exactly. So, so the the price tag for Second Avenue, you have to look back at it because it's ballooned. You already had sections already built. Matter of fact, the the, the section that's opening now. Includes one of those already opening sections. I took a train back there, and you could definitely see the difference in the construction from that existing portion to what's new. So you have to look back at okay, if this section is already built, and you're only building this section, why is it costing this much? So there's more money being spent. Me personally, I think there should be. Let me ask you a question: How far is one seven nine go back? Um. The tail track for 179, you can get two full trains back there. So two full trains is what, 600 feet, 1,200 feet? That's what about you think four, it's four, you think blocks. You think it's sealed off, or do you think that it's more back there? I think it's sealed off. Um, Parsons Archer, though, is different. Uh, the E-Line, Parsons yeah. Archer, yes. you can walk the tail track back to Merrick Boulevard. That's how here. far back that tail track goes. I walked to the wall. It took me 15 minutes to walk back to that wall, and that was four train lengths. Get out of here. Wow. Okay. So the, the system has been built for expansion. So when you start talking about the cost of expanding, are they including what's already been built, or are they writing out the proposal to get a little more money 
than what the project actually well, costs. Let me ask you this: what, what's what's going on at Hoyt Skimmerhorn with those extra tracks? Because those those tracks lead somewhere else. The one too, up right? against the wall. They, yeah, those they lead to the museum. Um, yeah, the, the transit museum. You oh know? yeah, no, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh yeah, the transit museum. Yeah, that's, oh. how they, that's how they get in and out of there. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> they got they got a fake wall back there. It comes down and we're training. Put the wall back up. It's all again smoke and mirrors. And they also use that platform primarily for shooting movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's a, that's a big thing. That's All a big thing. Years. It's a big thing. And also, I want to kind of um, just dial back on the whole SIR thing. I had personals dealing with SIR. That department, it's amazing the amount of money that they, they spend on investigations, what they dig into. My investigation was someone wrote a passenger complaint through MTA.info that I was dually employed. Um, before working for RTO, I had ran a consultant business. Now, when I signed on, you know, I had no intentions of doing any business outside of working for transit. I did not know that I would have to dissolve my company that I had the time to work for transit. And when I was in school car, I had two people ask me for use of my photos. I didn't think anything of it. Sure, use my photos. Yeah, they cut me a check for it. I didn't think it was dual employment. Okay, so now we fast forward. I'm already, when the investigation happened, I was already a year and a half into transit. I got pulled on the SIR. And they sit across the table for you. They act like your best friend. Oh, how's everything? Good cop, bad cop. You know, ex cops or uh, exactly. IG officers. You got two, you got two guys across the for you. One guy's being nice. One guy's looking at you sideways, and they open up the folder. And when they open up the folder, they have your entire life in that folder. They have your Facebook profiles printed. They got your Instagram printed. Your LinkedIn. Anything that you have online that they can dig up, and even things that you don't think they can dig up. They will dig up and find and it's in that folder. And what they will do is they will ask you specific questions to see if you want to dig a hole for yourself because they already know. Yeah, that was Going in the door, they already know. So anything you're going to tell them, they're going to see if you're going to embellish, if you're going to lie, and so forth. I went through. They may even tell you, listen, I already know the answer to these questions. So Because that happened to me when I filed a complaint against a supervisor who likes to drink on the job and accuse people of trying to hit her with a bus or things that didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> it's amazing And I was down there Four times for this One investigation It was even PDS PDS for people who Don't know the, the language It's uh, predisciplinary suspension That's when they take Your tools They take your pass You're basically Terminated Pending arbitration I was PDS'd um, I had gotten A regular lawyer I had a union lawyer I had We had the language the, the, the union lawyer Actually did his thing He pulled the language out He's like These two little instances Does not constitute as Dual employment by the transit rule book, it did not constitute as dual employment, and you know they kept fighting tooth and nail. Well, needs to say the day before the arbitration, I get a phone call from the union lawyer that transit settled, and that was the end of it. But to the extent that that department goes through to invade, pretty much invade your life to get what they want to get to get you fired. I love my job. I love what I do. I love being a train operator. Something I want to do ever since I was a kid. But this investigation has turned, or that investigation has turned me sour towards the agency. Because this is a transit agency. Transit. It's not FBI. It's not the police department. Transit. Transportation. Transportation. To the fact that now we're calling the passengers 
customers. I'm sorry, there is a definitive definition between a passenger and a customer. This is a public benefit corporation, public benefit, public transportation. This is not a business. It's a public benefit. So now you want to call these people customers. You're giving them an extra power. They're not customers. They're passengers. Well, remember, they're only customers when they're being used against the employee. Until such time, they treat them like cattle, and I still, until the day I um, was no longer able to perform my duties, I call them passengers, and I would have no problem explaining to the passenger, listen, do you feel like you treat like a customer? And don't, not because of me, does this authority treat you like a customer? Do they value your opinion when it comes to serving you, or is it only when they, you feel like making a complaint and figure, I'm going to prove I can get somebody fired? Passenger. End of the day, and, I'm, and to this day, you cannot give me to call them a customer because, by definition, that's not what they are. They are passengers. Now, basically, right? I thought about again. You know, you and your bus, right? Now, if you were to decide to where you were going to make some money on your day off, like a dollar <laughs> van, right? <laughs> basically, let's say you know, go to a ter- go to a heavily used terminal like Jamaica, out in Queens, or something like that, and just and just and just take people down Merrick Boulevard a couple of times. Charge a dollar. Now, basically, they would bring you, the IGs would bring you in and question you on that, and it, they and they would consider that dual employment. It, exactly, and believe it or not, due to my current dealings with that bus and it being public, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm pulled down the SIR again for that. But yeah, I, I would. I would literally have to fill out paperwork. They'll say you're working for progressive action. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, the PTS that he's talking about is what was started from the case that I brought up involving this uh, Staten Island bus operator because they feel that doing that to him is protecting the public. That is exactly what they feel, that he should, ser- he should be out of service until the investigation is completed and then they bring charges and proceed. So, of course, you know how, you know, on the depot level, I can say from the bus's side, they love to yank people out of service and not pay them during an investigation. Well, we'll find light duty for you. Then they say they don't have light duty. Go say your ass home. We ain't going to pay you. Okay? And that's what happened to you was a result of the reaction of the authority to that MTAIG investigation. My answer to them would be it's a hobby. And that's that's exactly what it ended up being boiled down to, that what I was doing was part of my hobby. And um, coming out of that, one of the stipulations that was – ironed out was that even though what I did was not constituted as dual employment that I could not file for dual employment for a year from that investigation. So if I wanted to fill out paperwork to run a dollar van bus company I could not do it until April of 2017. That's unless you get terminated and then the union will uh, wholeheartedly uh, advertise your dollar van services when they cut (laughs) bus lines. (laughs) Exactly right. You think I would run that bus service? You got another thing coming. <laughs> exactly. Now I don't want to. I don't want to leave him out. Jonathan Beatrice just entered into the building, so come here, Jonathan, to say what's up to everybody. Ain't no more. Ain't no hand clap. Stay. Let me ask you a question. While he's coming on. Yeah. Um, the wet workers is gone. How does it? Does that affect your job? Well, uh, well, basically, uh, the job is still the job is still there and it was on the pick. So it's still in existence for six months. Uh, we still do everything, except we, uh, we, don't, do, uh, we don't have interns while we're doing it. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, it doesn't really affect it. It doesn't fully go out 
uh, um, as far as being totally over with until after the next pick. So it's in, in effect for another six months. Oh, all right. Because I, I was like, wow, why they end the program? But Echeverra said they ended it the whole United States or something like that? Or the whole New York? Is in, yeah, New York. New they York, yeah. claimed the, uh, the Blasio ended it in sanitation and, uh, and other uh, uh, agencies. And that for whatever reason, he felt, felt it wasn't working um, from what I understand. Can I ask a question on that? Yeah. Because um, I know the, the whole WEP program was based uh, upon um, working for your benefits, so to speak. You know, you got food stamps, you got assistance. You basically was, was working for your benefits even though you wasn't getting a paycheck. So now that they canceled that program, what are they doing with those people? That's what I would like to know. Okay, they got a program called Back to Work. Sorry about that, Mike. Um, uh, they got a program called Back to Work. Now, most of these guys been in there for a minute, and they said we did every single thing in Back to Work, whatever program or whatever uh, job title or whatever they, they was preparing them for. He said, we did all of that again. We're going to just do that and do it five days a week now. And and uh, the thing is, is that there were issues with the with the program also that uh, that wasn't uh, too good. In other words, most of the um, interns were supposed to work uh, 18 months and didn't get hired. You know, we have interns that was in there three and four years. Okay, and HR used to. I used to talk with the people at HR, and they used to talk about how you know they were upset with the fact that they were referring to like TA getting free work because they wasn't hiring them according to the agreement. Uh, uh, at the end, um, there was a mass hiring of them in the end. So uh, most of them that were in there that got any real time, they, uh, they got a chance to, they got hired. Oh, well, they're in the process of being hired. Let's put it like that. Okay. Mr. Beatrice, what's going on, bro? Yes. How you doing? I'm good, man. You you put up something very, very important on the site yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Because we know that the situation that Mooney is going through with the um, temporary uh, workers in the stations department, the union fought that some years ago, that very same thing that they condemned Mooney on. Well, the problem is uh, the internal fighting in the station department. Uh, Joe Bermudez and uh, Vice President Derek Echeverria seem to have a, the problem is this Frankenstein reaction that our current elected officers have to any grievance that has my name on it, Mooney's name on it, because we ran against them. Whether it helps them, whether it, it we're fighting for the members or not. If they didn't if if they didn't file the grievance before us, it's bad. It's, <laughs> it, that's, it's, it's clear as day to me. Because the union filed a similar grievance two years ago in RTO. It's the, uh, Kevin Harrington, according to Steve Downs, um, Kevin Harrington, uh, former vice president, retired now uh, of RTO, uh, filed a grievance and a lawsuit against the MTA when they uh, hired, when they we're hiring retired train operators as temporary employees, and they're giving them a paycheck on top of their uh, pension, pension, and all their other benefits. Mm -hmm. I now, he never mentioned uh, what the result of that uh, lawsuit was. Uh, 
I don't know if uh, I don't know if they lost it. Usually, the pattern has been in the past six years. If they lose something, if they win, they brag about it. If they lose, they just they they just hope we forget about it, like it never happened. This is like my grievance against the layoffs. They never told me that that uh, the arbitrator didn't want to hear it. They just they just uh, never revealed the results. If we lose, they don't they don't mention it. So, so let me hit. Uh, somebody had mentioned I forgot who it was that they had kicked you out of something because you was a part of this progressive action movement. Yes, there was this uh, shop steward program uh, station station response team uh, that they put Linwood Wichard in charge of, and <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a shop steward. You know, I want. <laughs> so you know if you if you want to be proactive going out in the field together you know just start a new program where you have a rotating where you put people on release on a rotating uh, uh, on a rotating scale okay that i'm 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 in okay i'll i'll uh you know i'll join in on that and uh we had this little a couple of meetings orientation and I guess I guess me going on vacation kind of distanced me from when I came back. I wasn't notified of any meetings. Nobody called me as to what the next step is. And I thought it was one of these things that they start to do and then they forget about it. And then they, I got a call saying that you haven't done any of the... They called it CERTS. It was an acronym. S-I-R-T-S. Um... And they said you, you know, you haven't uh, participated in the program. I just said, well, what constitutes participating in the program? I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to do. And when, and then I got to the real reason why. You know, they didn't, they didn't have the guts to say, you know, we're kicking you out of that uh, program. Doesn't mean you're not a shop. Doesn't mean you're not a shop steward. Just not in the this particular response team. Is it, is it okay, because I mean I'll I mean look. I'll I'll I'm gonna, I'm gonna help the members the best I can to my ability, you know, uh and uh, you know, including this. If you don't wanna be if you don't if you don't think that I should be in this particular response team program Okay, well that that's that's your decision. Is it because of your affiliation with Progressive Action? They they said it was because they, when it, when when uh, the longer the conversation went, uh, the, the truth, the, the, the closer we got to the actual truth, that it was about me being in Progressive Action, me well, be appearing on Progressive well, Action. We apologize. Uh, we apologize. No apology. No apology. <laughs> I, I, still, I still have members call me and, and ask questions and seek help, and you know I'm still I'm. I'm yeah, You're a casualty of war, man. My, my collateral damage, still, man. Yeah, collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. We we go fix them. We'll get the last laugh. Let me ask you something, Staten. Um, with Kia, Kia put out some paperwork today, and he was talking about some type of committee that when um, a union rep goes on vacation, some type of committee is, is put together to decide who's to take that person on vacation place. You know anything about that? No. 
I mean, generally the practice has been, you know, when I was a officer, uh, if you have, uh, you know, reps that go on vacation, you know, depending on the duration of how long they, you know, you would just uh, activate another, uh, another officer. So basically the chair or the vice president could do it? Yes. Uh, the chair generally, uh, you have different different levels of release time. You have you have the release time, the um, what we call the TA release, uh, what we kind of affectionately kind of you know within the circles within the union call the the O fours, uh, and that's the code that they release uh, release them on from their from their pick jobs. Yeah, uh, and those particular jobs are TA paid release. Uh, under the contract, we get six, RTO has six TA paid release time officers. Uh, generally, the way that works is three come out of the train operators division and three come out of the conductor tile division. And that's pretty much under the discretion of the chairperson of the division in terms of which three those are. Uh, so if at any point in time uh, someone is on vacation, you know, you can just, you know, pull another officer and release them during the duration that that officer is on vacation. Or, or in some cases, you know, um, it's been the practice of this administration that they'll even go outside of elected officers, having uh, non-officers uh, filling those spots. Now, what are some of the duties of, the, of those people who are released that you just talked about? <clears throat> um, the TA release time uh, folks that are on a TA paid release, their jobs and functions are to simply perform all of the different various hearings, whether they be at 2 Broadway, uh, 130 Livingston Street. You can pretty much investigate any number of claims. Uh, or if you got to investigate, say, a case you're doing some research on uh, and you have to you know, leave out of 2 Broadway, you can go and do those types of investigations. The only thing that you are prevented from doing on TA paid release is any activities that are not uh, quote-unquote labor relation type functions. Uh, in other words, you couldn't go to say if uh, the union had a, uh, if you filed a lawsuit or you filed a, say a PERB charge against the union, uh, against uh, management. You couldn't go down, uh, the authority's not going to pay you to go down and fight against them on their dime. So generally those, those types of activities are prohibited on TA pay release. Then you also have uh, what we call the uh, union paid release. And those are generally your staff positions uh, that are paid directly out of the members' dues. Um, and that's more or less under the discretion of the president and in some cases the vice president. They will determine and, you know, the president, they'll usually allocate a certain amount of uh, union paid release spots in all of the different departments. Uh, at one time, we probably had as many as six or seven in RTO. I think now that might be down to about maybe, uh, I think the tail end of when Roger left, when I, when I left uh, elected office, it was down to about four. Uh, and those are paid directly out. Now, in terms of the discretion and the latitude that you have when, you on, uh, when you're getting paid by the union, it's pretty much unlimited. Uh, you can pretty much, you know, go throughout the system, go where you please. You can fight the MTA, you know, on the union's dime because they're not paying you. Could you also work? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, you can work. You can you can hold outside employment um, uh, if you're on a union paid release. You know, presumably, as long as that's not going to interfere with your, you know, your your duties as a union, yeah. uh, as a union rep. Yeah, right. But if you're on TA paid release, you can't because you're on the TA dime. Um, yeah, it depends. And like the brother was saying earlier, when he was talking about the uh, the dual employment, I I've represented a number of those cases years ago. Uh, uh, as far as the dual employment. The TA has a, a, a what they call policy instruction that governs in terms of dual employment. Uh, there's no real prohibition against having uh, uh, two jobs. The only thing is, is you just can't have overlap between those two jobs, and you must have eight hours uh, off from both jobs. Uh, you must have an eight-hour an eight-hour uh, uh, spread of a tour of hours where you're not working either one of those jobs. And you have to have one day off, uh, one day off where you're not working uh, either the two jobs. As long as you meet those requirements, uh, you can. And like I said, we've had a number of folks in the past, uh, school teachers, uh, uh, postal employee workers, you know, that have been working two jobs and, and they were able to. Now, the TA, you know, that won't stop them from trying to to threaten you and intimidate you to try and uh, uh, persuade you to to give up, you know, the other job in order to stay with them. But uh, many members who have stayed the course and fought in the past, you know, they were able to prevail in those cases. Mm. Yeah, because um, they could also deny you if you get the job later and your attendance record is bad. Dual employment. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, one case where I had where where one person was terminated, because um, what they did was they they brought the person up on charges, and they would actually literally pull all of your 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 records, your your timesheets, uh, your payroll records for the TA as well as the other job. And in this particular case, because I think this person was working for um, one of the other railroads, I think he was doing some. Uh, some cleaning work, uh, porter work, um, and you know what? What we had discovered was there was a there was an overlap. Uh, the time there was at least probably a period of uh, at least maybe less than an hour where he was actually supposed to have been on the TA's payroll and he was actually at that other job, and that was actually uh, you know what what got him uh, terminated. Yeah, I want to ask the room a question. Um, will our contract be delivered on time? No. I don't, I, I mean. You got to come up to the mic, bro. Sorry. I have to rephrase that. I would, I would say no based on the late start to the actions on the part of the Samson administration. I mean, I mean, come on, we're having winter jam, what, within eight days of uh, when this contract will be uh, expired? AKA the shits well, and giggles. Well, the other one was shits full jam. It's now, two. right. Yes, part two. Part two. <laughs> they <laughs> add it again. Um, um, I, I, the late start on this is that it seems that I think that uh, Samson walked into this thinking, oh, don't worry, we'll end up accepting it. It'll look like a victory. And I think the MTA turned the tables on them because we're seeing these trickles of information of what their demands are that are coming out. And it's, the, it's, it's a transit employer's wet dream. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to speak, you know, crass in that manner, but that's what it is. I mean, look at what they're asking for. 
as it's trickling out. Look what they're asking for. They ask for stuff that they've wanted, you know, since, you know, there was a transit and the word authority. <laughs> and you know they're going to get some of them. So even if Samson puts up a good fight, at a certain point they're going to get some of them. The question is, what shit sandwich are we going to be taking a bite out of? I, I think um, I wouldn't say that the contract is not going to be on time. I think it, it might possibly be on time because he made, Samson has made a point of, this contract is different than the last one. We're going back to the traditional way of TWU Local 100. Uh, a deadline is a deadline. So having said that, I think maybe, and what many people have said on Facebook and stuff, and many people have been saying, that maybe already is a deal. And maybe they're trying to finesse. And I hear they're going around talking to people, going up to people, their reps are going around, would you accept three, two half percent? Would you accept three percent? So I think they're trying to uh, work this whole thing out, you know, work this thing. Uh, um, maybe it'll be a final little uh, hour meeting where we figured out that our members will go along with this. And I just want to say one other thing. If the contract is a good contract, good or, you know, decent, halfway good, pretty decent contract, I think progressive, the alliance of progressive action and Transport Workers United should take the credit for this. Because I, <laughs> I think what this, what, since you guys started this radio program, what it has done, and you know, also back up the radio program with the Facebook page, and we also backed it up with a couple rallies, you know, I think this is, uh, we're set, you're setting the tone. This alliance is setting the tone inside the local, even around, uh, people talk about boots uh, six weeks ago, or all of a sudden about five. Yeah, a month, I, I, month I, I, later, I, I, I the union the wants to. The I mentioned the thing about the boots. I made a go. I made a what was that? Change.org mm -hmm. petition. Now they want to argue about the boots. Oh, yeah. the yeah. boots are exactly. a problem. But if the contract is a bad contract, that's all on. Samuelson and company. They go blame that on us. That's though. all. Oh, that yeah, goal, yeah. That all gets blamed on Samuelson and company. If the contract is bad, and the alliance needs to, and along with other people, jump into the vote no mode and get flyers out there vote no, and all kinds of all kinds of agitation among the membership to vote no. I got news for you. Well, the MTA is relying on that. You say that it sounds like they're putting feelers out there. On uh, page V, as in Victor 284 of the MTA uh, preliminary budget going from 16 to 19, they already say represented employee wage increase assumptions uh, followed TWU pattern upon expiration of existing contracts starting in 2012 or as follows. They already know what they're going to offer, and that's 0 .87, 0 .95, 2.23, 2.22, and 1.88 for years 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. They intend to do that pattern again, and they've budgeted for it. They put this in their three-year budget, and this is what they expect. Say those, say those numbers again. Um, they anticipate wage increase assumptions, follow the TWU pattern of the contract starting in 2012 as 0.87, 0.95, 2.23, 2.22, and 1.88 for years 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And of course, that's what we similarly ended up with for going from 2012 to now. They anticipate that in their budget to be the same again, and that's what they budgeted for. That's a new report right there? 
Well, it's their, well, it's not new. It's their report, their budget from 2016 to 2019. They do them in three-year increments. Oh, okay. So they already assume there'll be a five-year contract, and they budget for this. If they didn't have any belief that this would happen, they would have budgeted differently. They pay these bean counters lots of money. Unless they had an idea that this was going to be the same thing again, they would have handled it differently. Okay? That's what they did. I mean, it's on, it's on their budget. That's, that's crazy. So don't be surprised that if these feelers that are going out start saying, well, what would you think of this? And maybe a little bit higher. So they'll, and, and of course, it, that's what the increases close, you know, were about. 1%, 0.95, you know? So they said, all right, we'll get here and then we'll give you, th- you know, a zero and three ones and that'll make it up. And that's what they do at that big, that main table. Okay? That's what they did. I want to hear what the main table shit is. When, 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 don't, what happens first, the main table or the, the departmental? What well, normally well, happens first? Well, generally, they, um, they, there's usually um, a si- negotiation going on on simultaneous levels. So you may have, uh, say, depa- uh, departmentals going on, and then you may have main tables going on at, an, at another time on that particular day. Uh, generally... Um, they will allot a certain time when they when they will try to to see if they can wrap up the departmentals, and then whatever's not dealt with, then generally what happens is a lot of that stuff gets pushed to the main table, um, and the main table is basically that affects the entire uh, entire membership, you know. So you could be negotiating on sick leave, on discipline, Article One, Article Two of the contract that deals with the entire local. When you start getting into Article Three, then you start getting into the different departments, and every department will have their own their negotiating team as well. The departments the departments set their own schedules, so the main table, you know, negotiates separately, and they have their own arguments. And basically, it's it's uh, you know all your top general demands, and then like what Mike said, then later on. Um, everything gets combined to the main table when, 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 when time gets tight. That's why you keep a deadline. You know, you don't ignore a deadline because you want time to get tight. You want to, you want to speed up negotiations. You want to put the pressure. You want the, you know, the press outside. You want, you want to have that action. You want to have that anxiety. You know, you just don't want to be like, oh, okay, oh, is it good for you? Can we meet next week? That's not how you negotiate. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, I see that happening again, as it did in 2012, slash 13, slash 14. Um, I see the same thing happening again, that there's no immediate um, necessity to meet. Uh, this is, you know, the, the members really need to know this. And, you know, I, if, if you don't mind, because I heard this mentioned before, and it's the boots thing. And the reason I bring it up is because it was an article in the Chief. Um, which was floated by the union, and it was floated by the union because it's probably something they already worked out. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're orchestrating the fight and br- to, to bring home the bacon to show that the fight was victorious and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's a show. But what, what disappointed me was the article itself. The article had no substance. Um, if you read it, it's just a whole lot of blah, blah. He said, he said, they, these guys aren't even paying attention to what they're commenting on. And I'm going to give you an example because this is a, this is a microcosm of everything that's wrong. What, what we talk about on this show week in and week out, I, I, this, is, this is the vice president of MOW. 
This is Tony Utano, and this is what he says about the boots, right? That he set up a committee with management nine months ago, and they only met once, and there was no follow-up. Now, this is a quote, right? So my question is, well, my questions are, well, who was responsible for the follow-up? Now, if this was a management union committee to talk about the boots, meaning the boots are uncomfortable, and, I, and, and I'm assuming that they were just zooming in on, you know, the heavy, dirty work boots, the safety boots, not, not um, you know, work shoes, that was, was the union showing up to meetings that management wasn't showing up to? Was management showing up to, to meetings the union wasn't showing up? Was anybody calling meetings? Were people not picking up the phone? Why was there no follow-up? If Tony Utana was the one that put this together and he puts this in the newspaper, why was there no follow-up to this committee? I'm assuming it's called a boot committee. I don't know if they were going to talk about anything else, but because the, the, the article did not specify what the committee's name was, we just called it the boot committee. Now, the boot committee didn't meet. If the boot committee had met and the boot committee had decided that, yeah, these boots are bad because the union did studies, lower extremity studies, <clears throat> feet, ankles, knees, hips, lower back, musculature, the lower musculature as well. If... Dr. Frank Goldsmith, who's working for Union Safety, had done a study on the boots, then th those specifics would be brought to the committee and, 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 and they, would be, they would not be in dispute. And therefore, it would not be a contract demand. What, what is, what, what, what is going to be the contract demand? That they are, giving, they are going to be given better boots or they're going to be reimbursed at a higher Number, even the number quoted in the article was $70. That's all it takes is $70 per member to, 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 to make the boots better? That's, that's it? And, and, and a committee didn't follow up and couldn't, and, and couldn't solve this? So now we're talking about it in, in, in main table contract negotiations, and, and um, it's a top issue. It's a top issue in this article. This article is, is such a disgrace and insult to any intelligent member. It, I can't even. I, I, I'm really pissed that I read it. I'm hearing that the, um, <laughs> the contract for the boots is up next month. For a new vendor? Yeah. Yeah, everybody's got a cheap boot. Don't matter who you go to. Yeah. I mean, even if you have somebody like Red Wing, they have a cheap boot division. You know? <laughs> Specifically made for transit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for transit well, yeah, workers. Yeah, because they bid on it, right? They yeah. they find a way where well, X amount of units will result in this much of a discount. I mean, that comes down to how um, they uh, the MTA doesn't uh, mention the charge of how much a patch is when you uh, go on the uniform site for a uniform that you'll never friggin' see. Yeah, you know? and, but you know, going in this article, the specifics, you know, the the technical specifics of the boot. Of, of what makes a boot comfortable? What, what do the studies show? You know, these are the details that we need to know, that we want to read about. We don't want to read about, oh, the boot's uncomfortable. Everybody knows that because it's a cheap boot. But why? What, what makes it uncomfortable? Did anybody take the boot apart? You know, what's in the sole? What's in the insole? What's in the instep? I mean, if you wear it long enough, you don't have to take it right. apart. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are things that, that, you know, how much did the boot cost to manufacture? Where is it manufactured? Now you don't want to get into that because then right. we start getting into the uniform shirts with uh, so, so, But the article says nothing. And actually, I'm disappointed. And I, and, 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 and I reached out to the editor of the chief, and I want to talk to the reporter who did that 
um, article, you know, uh, and and just took the the union's lame input, and and never really did an investigative First reporting all, on it. When the last time they wore those boots? They won't even let you in the building with the boots. Now you're gonna mess up the carpet. Well, yeah, they I, make you leave them outside. Well, that was, well, that was like, do, do do we know what the guarantee is even on the boots? Because I had a pair of boots that I only had for six months that literally split in half. So <laughs> that goes right down to cheap boot because if it's a brand new boot, six months is pretty much still a brand new boot. Split in half, suspect. And, and I think there's an issue on the surface side because um, before. Um, before I became ill, I used to speak to another operator out of Quill that a lot of guys in surface would know. Mashburn wore, you know, you used to wear the Ralph Carandon hat like Hello, me. Mash, yeah. Yeah. He and he used to see my panel of the shoes and he says, they let you wear those? Now at MTA bus, we have no footwear requirement. As long as it's black, no logos, it could be sneakers. As long as it's all black. Okay. So I wear pan leathers. I go on eBay, you know, and uh, I get some, you know, $140 Bates uniform shoes. And, um... I pick them up for 53 bucks because somebody got them off the back of a truck or something. Whatever reason they're selling them. Okay? You know, 53 bucks with shipping for a $140 uh, pair of pound leather shoes. I'm wearing them. And it's funny because you mentioned six months. I'd wear, I'd go through a pair of pound leathers, okay, which are hard to keep, you know, nice and clean and not scratched up. They'd last a year. Okay? And those, you know, and I'm driving a bus. And I'm, you know, come on, you guys know. You know look at me. I'm not A-shape, you know. I'm not in-shape. I'm A-shape. I'm round. <laughs> now, I'm over 300 pounds. You tell me a pair of Bates pan leathers meant for parades last a year, and you got a guy like Trevor, he goes into RTO, and the boots split apart. You don't even need an exam for him. I mean, just the fact that the boots are unisex is a problem. Oh, yes. men, feet, problem. men feet and women feet are, are yeah. two totally different two, type two, of feet. Different, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that boot was number, that was the, you know, I mentioned I think last week on the show, that was like, you know, they one were saying the that, was, ones, that, that was a top demand. That was like number two out of the top demand. I didn't hear no. What shouldn't the boot be a part of like safety in some form or fashion? Well, well yeah. I mean, the, the the whole impetus behind the boot, the whole thing behind the boot is supposed to be was it shock resistant, uh, among few other things, and that it may be, but the same token, it's killing our feet. I mean, uh, the, the the you're right. It's killing your feet, but. It's killing your knees. It's killing no. your back. It's killing everything. It's killing everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, when you say it, 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 isn't that part of safety? That's exactly what it is. So that's why my question is, why is Nick Bedell, why is his picture in the chief, and why is he talking about our shoes and not Dr. Frank Goldsmith, who, who's, who, who does occupational health and safety for the union safety department? I believe Nick Bedell got dual employment within our union. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe he got more than one title. I don't think he's just only the education director, director anymore. Yeah. I, I think this year he had a promotion. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's, he, he pushes so, the uh, button. Chief negotiator? When, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're told that, you know, the office of the president is usually empty. So somebody has to, you know, run stuff down there. And I think that, that you know, him and Downs, they probably do a, a lot of running the union. So, you know, every once in a while they want their kudos. But he does, he does not belong talking about our boots. Has he ever wore a pair? How, what the hell does he know about him? At least uh, Goldsmith, Dr. Goldsmith, is educated in, in, in the field. Nick Bedell is not educated in anything but propaganda. So why is he why is he talking about our shoes? That upset me. That entire article was an insult to every transit worker's intelligence. 
And, and just to think, this is an agency that, uh, you know, $70. I was like, where can you get a good pair of boots for 70 bucks to deal with this type of duty? But remember, this is coming from an agency that uh, blew a chance at $256 million in grant money for buses back in uh, 2010, 2011. All right? They could have got free money. They blew $256 million there. But they're able to tell us, we'll reimburse you a whole 70 bucks because, you know, your employees, you know, you employees are the reason we don't have money. Not that the, um, you know, that there's a report, okay, not that there's a report from the state controller's office talk about how they blew almost a billion dollars on buses instead of, again, that money reimbursed. And where are the problem? That's what they tell the public. We're a problem. The next thing is that that article is an insult. But, you know, on top of that, why hasn't the union taken that as an insult, hammered the MTA, and got this out to the press, and then, you know, little old me, you know? Yeah, think about what you said. Little, well, Think about what you said, the union hammering. Sorry, I was caught thinking. And taking it to the MTA. <laughs> you forgot what union this is? <laughs> I, I, you know what? For a minute, I did. I didn't realize where I was, and I am sorry for thinking out loud, um, you know? Um, what happens is, like I said, if the state controller went ahead and spanked the MTA about, hey, listen, you blew all this money, why hasn't, you know, this is something the union should pick up, you know, saying, hey, listen, they're blaming us for your fare going up. Blame this. This is a, you know, 110-page report from the controller's office. Blame this. Here, go ahead and read online how they blew your money out the door buying a test bus without any criteria for testing. It seemed like they were paying their friends, you know? You gotta talk to the mic. The thing about uh, MTA and when it comes to the uh, controller Dinopoli, he gets on them a lot. I've seen a few reports, and, and you know I get an email from him as I, well. I do also. And and uh, they they were saying that more of TA should do in more they in house work and stop hiring contractors. Some of the contractors that when they feel they or when they fail at doing what they're supposed to do, you know, and then you they just leave the job because they didn't. No, they're unable to do the job. They said they should do more. They work allow their workers to do it in right the because there'd be some that. accountability to the public and to the state government, and that's a that's a, that's a point to go to the Second Avenue subway. I mentioned it on Facebook. You got to keep in mind the top three bidders. Okay, Skanska, Shea, and Shiavone. They were the bidders for the Second Avenue project. Well, one of them got it immediately after winning. They formed S three Construction. And already one of them was already prohibited from, you know, for shenanigans on their contracts. And they form S3, a consortium company, to do the project. And then the MTA and the governor are asking, why is it taking so long? It's like, the guy, you, you, you banned one of these guys already. They, you know, don't you think there's shenanigans when the top three bidders come together to form one company after one of them wins? Do you think that that is worthy of an IG's investigation? That's a monopoly. Well, well, yeah, but like kind of in reverse. But you knew they had to know going into this that, you know, it's like, well, we're going to bid this. Don't you think that would affect the bidding if they were able to literally almost the next day form S3 construction? You can't just form a consortium of three companies overnight unless you (laughs) plan to do that. Right. Now, basically... That's not worth an IG's investigation. But, no, no, no. But, but, uh, but, but people having dual employment people is. People have a dual employment. Yeah, yeah just because that's the problem. Dollars, right. You know? I'm yeah. going to And I wonder what's going to happen on the bus's side. What, what kind of uh, demands are they going to have? Because Trevor's seen both sides of this job, okay? Been a bus operator and a train operator. And he can, he's been around the country on this. And he could tell you that I bet some of those demands, you know, uh, Trevor can enlighten you on this uh, in, involving uh, 
um, other transit agencies that use demand-based uh, scheduling. Uh, Disney World calls it you know, uh, magic on demand. You know? A quick question I want to ask everybody here. In the, we all agree that there are problems in this union, right? And that we need to... Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, are, are some of us able to work, wait for another, what, two years, three years, or whatever for a next election for these people to be removed? Or should people start uh, doing actions against the unions, whether it's through, um, through PERB or whether it's through the Labor Board, of trying to get some relief for the members? Um, my thing is this. Uh, if we want to do something, my, I would suggest... Uh, we see how strong progressive action is. This is what I'm just saying. Yeah, and uh, Yoka, uh, everybody can make a comment after I finish with what I'm saying. My thing would be this. I would ask a member, if you were able to get this union uh, to where you want it to be at, and it would only cost you $1, would you spend that $1 to make your union better? Well, I would. I mean, I'm a I'm I'm a retiree, but haven't seen a retirement check yet. Okay, so, so my that's that's I be... I think it's beginning. This is a beginning. See, seeing I, like you see, I I had thought about this for quite some time myself, even before I um, became ill. And I said, somebody's got to be doing something. This doesn't seem right because nothing made sense. The 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 constant discipline hammering, and seeing that you know you see a new lawyer every arbitration you know session that okay, you know well, was going on. that's wrong in the first place as well because the original um, a lawyer should follow it all the way through to the end. Well, no, that's uh, the way well, you only see the law- um, I've noticed at MTA bus you only see the lawyer either the you know a phone call the night before or the day of the arbitration, and the first thing they tell you is say let's make a deal, and it's like. But, but I'm innocent, you know? And I think that well, I, I was saying to my coworkers, I said, there's got to be something we can do. And I yeah, looked and, at the MTA bus side. We this. don't have the numbers. And I, then I end up coming across progressive action. And I said, well, it seems like there's some rabble rousing. Then there's facts in it. And you start seeing yeah. facts. You don't just see the complaints. I'm you see a, facts. There's, 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 fact there's figures. There's actually something tangible to the complaints. And then it's like, well, this seems like it's the beginning. So... The thing is, it looks like that this is prepared for the worst, but expecting the best, but always being prepared for the worst. And I think that enough people are going to get angry, okay? And I think that uh, progressive action will be that vehicle to get those people to that point. And there could be action. If you want to start something, if you want to start making some movement instead of just always, you know, we know there's a lot of issues. I think uh, we should just put it out there that uh, let each member. Put up a dollar. We yeah, that would a be fund. a retainer for a lawyer. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. And get a lawyer, and then let, bring in a lawyer, and we we start going to you know to let them know what we need done. Basically, that's a one. That is a wonderful idea, and I want to be up for something like that. But we'll create you know, pr- transparency to the members. We keep them informed of all hearings, and we just do a class action. We want these people removed. Bro, the, bottom the, line. The, the, the problem is, and it's funny that you, that you just mentioned that, because I said this to Chamel the other day, or actually yesterday, in a, in a comment on, on the group. You know, we have, was it 5,000 members of progressive action exactly. now? Now, mm-hmm. yes. All right. You got 5,000 members, but if you go through the posts since progressive action has started, You've got the same less than 100 people active, which, what does that tell you? 
You know, and and then you've got the same parties in the background of other groups. Well, it took me months to say something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and Trevor knows me forever. I'm usually the first one to run my mouth, and I said, "Let me sit back and watch where this is going." And I think that's why the membership has gone up. People have sat back and watched where this is going. Says, "Wait a minute, this is more than people starting something, starting an argument. This is facts. There's something here." Right. Well, you know, you have a lot of people that are basically in the group. Yes, five thousand people. But and the, and the same people are commenting and active, but they're basically everybody else is watching. Trust me. Yeah, yeah they they they, wa- they watch. They definitely watch. Definitely watching. Yeah, and, they, and they looking at these comments. But I think I, uh, I from the them. beginning, there's a lot more people posting. There's a lot more people commenting, and a lot of times that's how things work. You know that uh, there's certain people that take uh, the front or on the front, on the front line and do more than others. But we got to say to people, uh, there's something for everybody to do. Yeah, you know whatever you could do, however you could participate, please participate. Go to uh, Progressive Action Facebook page. Go to Transport Workers United Facebook page. You know, uh, you know, be part of it. If you listen to this program and are not on these pages, join this page. The thing is, the thing is, with people ghosting, politics is a difficult thing for some people to get into. Yeah, and this is this is politics. This ain't no sex group. Sex, everybody think they the king, the queen at whatever they do. And, and and but in politics you gonna have to actually read something you gonna have to actually know something in this job you have to have conversation you have to know something about the contract something about laws something about the reps and a lot of people just don't pay attention they get all the information from us yeah you, you see. know and a lot of people basically you know you know people really need to break down and become educated and get common sense about what's going on because you know, a lot of people, and like Tramel said before, a lot of people are complacent. And until they actually experience going down to the House of Pain and to Broadway, or getting that write up, or getting or nearly facing losing their job, or something happening to them, and they don't get a, and they don't, and the and the union does them wrong. Now you want to run the progressive action, okay? Well, because you know what, they they never got told that this is how bad it can go. Right. I mean, well, you never would think like, all right, with with me, I was like, oh, I know how bad they can be uh, from the beginning. You know, well, uh, the same thing is, with Trevor. I love buses. Hated the MTA. I never wanted to work for him. And they snatched my ass up anyways. The Well, the thing is with them is, is that they want they want you to smarten up until you until you show them that you just as smart as they are with their game. That's when they respect you. See, as long as you, we stay divided and we sit here and we may have discussions like that without coming up with solutions to these problems, then they'll just, they, some of them are going to bed and they're sleeping well. But when you start talking about really getting the members together, just donate a dollar, a dollar to, to, to a legal fund. And that uh, and that we'll get a, a lawyer and do a class action, or even we, better yet. Wait, wait, I'm wait sorry, I, I'm just going to yeah. say with the lawyer, it let, may not even cost but, but anything. Let me say, we got enough people here to put together cases Absolutely. to show the pattern that's of, uh, of unfairness of, in, in the labor oh, yeah, relations. It, that's department. absolutely correct. There we is enough, enough. There's enough case law enough to, to defend it, and enough people. How unfair 
labor relations is when it comes to dealing with our collective bargaining right where it's actually illegal it's actually illegal at i've said things we can identify these are the areas that they need to be attacked at because that's where they're attacking us at until we smart enough and stop them from doing it and let them know, yeah, we know it's illegal and we're going after you. Well, I, I, you I, I think the that's something way, that's happened minute, but, but, with the connections from the toy drive. You but see, the, in New York State, that's what I was going to say. It's like, yes, I agree with a fund. I have no problem with that. But those connections, lawyers, do you know in New York State, the law is once you get that bar, okay, that license to practice law in New York, you have to take one pro bono case a year. You're required to to maintain it. It's a it's a public service requirement. But let me tell you so something. When it comes you tell to me that there's nobody that lawyers, wants to make their totally make their bones. Different. No, it's no. That's a requirement for all that hold you know uh, that are able to apply to and uh, and and are at the bar. So I'm not saying that may not want to take that. Maybe somebody does. Maybe we make the right connection. Like I you know like with the uh, toy drive. Hey, listen. I know somebody that wants to do a class action. They're willing to do it pro bono, and uh, you know, get your stuff together. I think we can do this. You have to make those connections through politics, and I think that's what's important about it. I hate politics. I understand it. I hate it, but being you know, knowledge is power. And once you know you can get the members together, maybe this is something that we have to do. It's not maybe. Actually, you're absolutely right. We have to do that. Okay. See, but the bottom line is this: we don't. We're not going to depend on them. A uh, lawyer talking, doing a case pro No, no, you don't have to rely on it, but know but it's there. Th my thing is this. I know a, cu a couple of real good lawyers that uh, taught me a lot of stuff that I've, I've known myself. And that's why I understand when a, um, when a labor lawyer sits around and talk about it's, they charge three, four, and $500 an hour because this work is tedious. And you, you, to look up a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is old law, new law. Some of it's still on the books and not even, and not even uh, utilized. Some of the laws that are still there, but the point is this: is uh, is start making a move to do something instead of just talking about it. Start making stuff happen. Members are upset. There's more disgruntled um, members down here than you can than you can believe. And if you could say to them, if you want the union that you want, and it will only cost you a dollar, let's see how many of them will give you that dollar. I'll per donate fifty dollars personally. <laughs> personally, I'll donate, I'll donate personally, fifty. I don't care how much. It is. I'd rather have somebody hungry, whether they working for free, whether they is five hundred an hour. If you ain't getting nobody that's hungry, they ain't gonna put in the, the yeah, necessary and, work. And that's why but I you said, do need you, you just do need a just good walk firm. up and pick and pick a lawyer. Now I, I've sat around and talked with a few lawyers during elections, after elections, about various issues. I've talked about lawyers that just don't want to deal with TA. Period. Oh, yeah. Just don't want to deal with them, period. Because the but, I was warned in advance. But, but um, I, I know a guy, I, I give him a name, I joke with him, I call him a junkyard dog. Because he's one of them types that he liked to, he liked to like fight. The scrap. He liked to fight. And, that, and I respect that. You see, because T.A. has a mentality is, it's like, you come, you come and biting at him. And, and and they shake you off and, and kick you away and you and, and you run away and you go on by your business, they won. But I, I got a guy there that'll turn around, he'll stay on it. He'll he'll address everything we need to know. He'll tell you everything, how and what the process is. A lot of it I know myself, but the bottom line is this, they're not going to respect anything, especially this union, until we start really going after them. But okay? but I, there's Bringing also a downside on charges to that. is very important. Perb, we, we, I mean, we, we got a few people that can prove a perb case. You know, when you got a, a, a division chair making a statement like this, uh, the, uh, the, what you call the 
the New York the New York civil service law does not apply to New York City Transit, <laughs> and you can wipe your ass with the law. Jesus that's Lord. about the dumbest. That's Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, that, really? that, that, oh yeah, right? that, that, yeah. Oh, I've seen yeah, that, that, and it's that, like this guy can't be and, serious. And, and and this is a total idiot, and you representing us. That's an insult. Oh yeah, that's that's a total that's insult. But I'm that's just like letting. That's like giving letting Ta know ahead of time. I'm an idiot. And and then they say, yeah, okay, we know we coming with some. Yeah, other that you're a piece of cake. Oh Lord, it's it's time to get up out yeah, of here. I just want to leave with one thing, just to All let right. you know. All right. In terms of the lawyer part, now if they think you are knowledgeable, I personally brought an EEO case back in 2008, and let me tell you something. I had a case, and they kept the MTA went ahead and put every lie in the book out there, and the investigators cool. saw that. And like now, I, we see through this. You have a case. Yeah. They changed investigators. I get a I get a letter one day. We didn't see anything here after two years of investigating. We don't see nothing here. That's not nothing new. See, I got news. It gets better. I call the investigator. I said, well. "What about the documents they handed you that were forged? I provide a copy of my license with my signature. I did not sign this. That's not a that's forgery. Oh, that's a state law." I said, "Well, there's something wrong here." And they said, "Well, we're not investigating it. You can go ahead and and appeal to my supervisor. Good luck." She clicks the phone. Two months later, they bring him in for attendance again based on disability and that's why I filed the EO complaint guess who's now on the uh, who's on the uh, on the uh, the uh, directory the investigator that hung up the phone on me they will hire people off of another agency to shut you down and they did that to me and I've seen it done before I've seen it do it with an arbitrator I saw them come out of an arbitration they're hanging a driver for using the company radio and answer a call when they initially wrote him up for well I'm not gonna answer because you know I can't pick up the handset they call me as a witness. I bring in the vehicle and traffic law. It says handset. doesn't say cellular device back in 2008. It didn't say cellular device. It was very specific about handsets. Okay? Go ahead. This is the state law. I go to get ready to testify to this. Why? Buddy figured you're an auxiliary cop. You can come in here. You can explain it, which I could. They come out. They go and talk. Our union lawyer, the division VP, and the arbitrator talk, they come out shaking hands, we're going to use you for more arbitrations. This worked out very well. Hung my buddy and says, no, no, you're going to take a last chance step because I'm going to rule against you. He says this in front of me, okay? And guess what? That arbitrator is the sole arbitrator used at MTA bus arbitrations. We no longer have a rotation. Can that I means that guy is getting right paid for this every arbitration. Before we go off, uh, they've been using these excuses claiming that... Um, uh, uh, Provisional probationary um, uh, uh, workers are not um, are not uh, allowed representation by the union. That's not true. Well, under the civil service law, you know, yes, that's that that um, they are entitled to. Uh, that's correct. When when it's a dismissal, the union has to protect you from losing right. your job. I right, you have to know your rights. Yeah, they you have has to, be... to protect you from losing your job. That's correct. They could sit around or uh, and go through all the other routine disciplinary issues, but when it come, when your job is on the line, they have to protect you from losing your job. Right, because now, it'd be in the public interest. To, to y'all, we heard about a lot of probationaries losing their jobs recently. Yeah, yeah. Also, we also heard about uh, probationaries that lost their job due to the fact that TA in our union knew that they had bag, bad bags, revenue bags. They had a bad batch of revenue bags that were easily open oh. without ripping the bags and people were losing their monies. The union never put it out there to the members to tell them that there's bad. And, and some of these people lost their job oh, because of these people with these, this bad batch of bags. Now, oh. 
See right we there, that's criminal conspiracy. Here. That is actually a yeah. crime because we they got engaged enough stuff here to not only just go after union, but we can also go after the integrity of the labor labor relations department. That's because correct. Since you charge us. When we lose these cases, that's to almost like stealing from us and creating hardship in people's family. When you take money from people under uh, under false pretenses. I'll give you an example hold with on, that bag on, situation. On, on. All right, yeah, we, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's sorry. it. We got, yeah, yeah, we got to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> it always get good at the end. It'll, it very, very. <laughs> uh, we, so basically, Henry, you know, Henry, you're coming back to the show right after the new year. All right, thank you. We need you by yourself. Yeah, by yourself. <laughs> you got to come by yourself. You got to come by yourself, yeah. What'd you call? Let me tell you, Trevor is an asset. Now, I, I, know, I know of Trevor over the internet since I was in high school. And his knowledge on transportation, not just the history, but the operations, the rules, and not just this agency, every agency in the country, he, could, he can tell you exactly how this agency operates, how these issues came up, and how they were resolved. Just looking at it from an outside observation and retaining that knowledge. So let me tell you, you have an asset in Trevor, and it's not just the bus. Can I say one last thing before we go? Okay. I want Real to say quick. Real quick. to everybody out there, uh, season's greetings, Merry Christmas, and uh, come on down to the mass membership meeting on January Saturday, January 7th, the theater at Madison Square Garden. No, more importantly, come to the Transport Workers United Progressive Action Meeting December 29th. That's, that's true, too. That's yeah, true. That, that, that's more truer than the, than the January 7th meeting. <laughs> sure the 29th, yeah, we going to be there. Yeah, we're going to be there. All right, everybody. Want you say something, Joe? Just want to say goodbye. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, peace, y'all. Happy holidays and happy new year. All All right, right. have a good night, everybody. All All right. right, happy holidays, everybody.